and welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. At the Expansive, we believe that growth and progress comes from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. It is really great to be with you again this week. My name is Eric. I'm one half of the Expansive Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my ever elegant and ever traveling co-host, uh, Mr. John Sane. John, how are you doing, brother? Um, fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm in Dubai this week and uh, looking forward to unpacking what we're going to be speaking about today. Uh, we've had a lot of new listeners joining again and we're getting a lot of new messages. What was that lady's name from Canada, Eric? I, I can't remember. Yeah. Let's give a shout out to Shelly uh, Levis. Levis? Levis? I think Levis. Levis. Yes, yes. Shelly Levis. Shelly, that was one of the best response, like remark, like you're obviously very good in communication because the way you broke it down to give us a suggestion started off with a compliment, telling us why you were complimenting us and then softly suggesting what you think we should be doing as well. And I thought the delivery of that comment was, <laughs> it's like, who are you and what do you do? Please message us again. Tell us what your skill sets are because you've got a wonderful way of communicating to us. And she made a really valid point. She said that lots of AI things are quite geeky and quite technical. And she's looking for technology for dummies, like an AI for dummies sort of uh, perspective. And so we thought that we would talk about the way technology integrates itself into our lives and sometimes in the most subtle ways that we don't even realize. And this is what it's going to be all about today as we go through the process of technological life cycles within our human life cycle. But before we kick in, Eric, anything exciting happening there down in Cape Town? Well, um, the most important thing is just to quickly kind of circle back to Shelley is that we will be implementing one of her suggestions, the AI tools thing. Um, it's actually been in the back of our minds and this is a great prompt, so thank you for that, uh, to highlight some of the tools that are coming out. And we were just saying off air now that they are so, the space is moving so quickly that even if you are full-time dedicated to trying to understand what's happening in that space, it's too much. You, you become overwhelmed. And so um, I think to highlight a few tools that are interesting would be like a great addition to the pod. So we'll definitely be doing that. And then apart from that, um, what's been happening in Cape Town that's exciting? Mm, I don't know. I haven't been playing paddles. So like, it feels to me like all of a sudden I'm like, well, what is, it? What is happening? I don't know. What's life about? Where is your life going? It's down, it's down the drain, Eric. You're not playing a paddle. Like, Jeez. you know, forget about your it's, dogs, I've your wife, and your amazing home. I've just but, been working all week. What do you mean? <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. No, but Dan is actually back from Germany. So it's been, it's been great to have her back. Ah, fantastic. Welcome back. How, how's, oh, I'll, tell, I'll ask you off air, but I was going to say, how's the dad? Because I know she went there for that. Yeah. No, he's good. He's good. Mm. Good. Good, good. You know, I played paddle with Wendy for the first time as my partner, and uh, it was really amazing. Just to do you play? Do you play with Dan as a as a partner? Did, did, did the partnership hold up, or, or were there were there like massive? I, I saw this <laughs> meme saying, "Do not play part paddle with your partner." <laughs> no, my 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 job was to only praise her for her amazing shots, okay, and coach her calmly for the mistakes that's all it's a simple <laughs> it's a simple exercise in leadership um and uh but she did fantastically well and uh so it was, it was great it was really great how, how's it when you play with dan 
does she shout as you? Because no, you're the no. shit one it, in the in the relate in the in on the court. <laughs> she's she's the pro. There's a she is the pro. She is she's the pro. The pro yeah. uh, my wife is better at everything than I, I am. Like I'm yeah. I'm happy to admit that. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't have to bring it up myself. <laughs> There's a TikTok that shows, uh, you know, how couples think activities will go versus how they actually go. And then yes. you have like these two people like, oh, let's go play paddle. It's such a nice day out. Yeah. And then like cut scene and they're fighting on the paddle court and they're hating <laughs> each other. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, like maybe we should do some scrabble together and then cut scene and like they're hating and like, you know, <laughs> it's <was> quite funny. <laughs> like you always think it's going to be the best outing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It does go like that. But um, let's get, get, let's get stuck in. Hey, it's me, Sean, producer of The Expansive Podcast. Do you find yourself sharing the pod with friends and colleagues? We know that you love learning with the guys, but did you know you can book John Sonnet or Eric Kruger, or why not book them both to deliver a keynote for your team or organization? Email us at training at theexpansive.com. One more time, that's training at theexpansive.com. Back to the episode. Today is a masterclass from John on uh, thinking about technology and how it is, well, I mean, kind of weaving throughout our entire lives at the moment and how we can think about uh, integrating and using it and understanding the this change that is happening right in front of our eyes. So, John, over to you. Thank you. So, many years ago, I read a book by Jeremy Rifkin, and I watched a couple of his interviews, and he started speaking about something called the Zero Marginal Cost Society. And let me tell you, I watched that interview with Jeremy Rifkin umpteen times. I don't even know how many times I watched it, and then I took notes of it, and it really changed the way I thought about technology in such a deep way. Jeremy Rifkin is a, a business lecturer at Wharton Business School, He's written over 25 books, and so he's very well-versed in this concept of technology and business. He's also got an amazing documentary on YouTube called Third Industrial Revolution, which he's done in, in collaboration with the Vice uh, sort of series, although Vice is going bankrupt, by the way. So anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so what he does in this documentary, which I highly recommend everybody watches, plus also look up his work, but he, he introduced me to the zero marginal cost society. So what does this mean? He says that everything that technology touches goes to zero in the replication of that product. So for example, music, when you get a song on your phone, you can replicate that song forever. You can share it for almost free or nothing. So you have a zero marginal cost of replicating anything. And so this has already happened to us in music and photos and communication um, and uh, in sort of services to a certain extent when things are becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. But it's really starting to happen in entertainment and it's really happening everywhere that digitization starts to happen. But in his talk that I watched, he spoke about how the three pillars that have held up capitalism for the last 200 years are imploding. And the reason they're imploding is that the capitalistic market, the, the economies of scale, is so addicted to efficiency that the efficiency it's driving is eating itself and its own tail of production and costs and sales. So what does that mean is that we keep driving down to a zero cost and eventually the thing becomes free. So 
what he spoke about as an example, and, and let's remember this was maybe five years ago when I saw this video for the first time. He started speaking about the fact that the, the, the first pillar that's going to become completely free is communication. And at that stage, WhatsApp and, you know, Viber was the app that was going on around then was kind of the few apps that were available to us. There was no Zoom. There was no any of these others. And the telcos around the world were still selling minutes for speaking for millions, of, for millions of dollars, billions of dollars around the world. So the first pillar is communication. And today, communication is obviously free. I mean, you're, you're, you and I are recording on Riverside, uh, Zoom, if we're not on Riverside, WhatsApp. I mean, it's just it's a continuous access to free communication tools. But then what he said was the two next ones that are going to be going free are transportation and energy um, production. And transportation is a little bit easier to think about because you have driverless cars, you have autonomous uh, AI systems that are being developed. You have hydrogen engines. You have you have that whole sort of sector that's just on the verge of it becoming. In fact, Salim Ishmael at um, EOGLC spoke after me, and he showed that he drove his Tesla from Miami to Toronto, I think it was, and he, when he drove it in 2019, 15% of the of the trip was driverless, was autonomous, okay? Then he drove the car back down to Miami like six months ago and 80% of the drive was autonomous. That's insane. So think about that. In, in two years, the car's autonomy went from 15% to 80%. And that's from Toronto down to Miami. So when we're talking, I don't know, 5,000, 5, 6,000 kilometers, I mean, that's a long way, right? Or 3,000, well, I don't know what it is. But so 80% of that route now, and, and, and you know what he said? He said something amazing after he said, you know how much that trip cost me? Cost me nothing. I went all the way from all the way from the top to the bottom for nothing. And now imagine you have autonomous vehicles with green energy that are more efficient than they are right now that are doing this. And I watched the Tesla um, shareholder talk by, by Elon Musk. And he said that a very, very small amount of cobalt is actually in the batteries for Tesla cars. And everybody's going like, it's mad, cobalt's so bad for the world. He's like, you know what's got cobalt in its batteries? Like a lot of it is your cell phones. Ours have got very little cobalt. So the whole idea that cobalt's bad for the earth and then and then and then and then Tesla, it's, all like, it's such a rubbish statement. And so for me, just understanding the transportation's next to about to go to free, right? And let's remember that anybody listening to this going, yeah. Just, sorry, just a quick question. I've never actually driven an electric car. Um, I have, yeah. And... I'm just wondering now for the first time, when you stop at those power points where you recharge your car, mm. you don't pay for that. No. Or do you? Do you know, like, do you tap your card and you pay for that or? No, no, it depends. In different places, I think it's different. Okay. I've actually never charged it. I've just driven them. And I've always just gotten back to where I live and then plugged them in. Yeah. We've, we've been in Ubers, I think. But yeah, like in, um, when we went to London, yeah. we were in quite a few Ubers that were... Uh, electric, but I was just like, I just never actually thought about it because I see the charging stations, even at Lawrenceville where we play pedal, mm. they have charging stations on the wine farm. Um, but I've never thought about whether you pay for that. Well, Salim, Salim Ishmael said it cost them absolutely nothing. So that means if you're stopping at the Tesla ones, it most probably is free. I mean, it sounds like we're back in 1986, you and I asking these questions on the expansive podcast. <laughs> yeah. We should be knowing these things. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, let's let's caveat out of that. Uh, back, back to us being futurists. But anyway, the, the the third pillar that Jeremy Rifkin talks about is energy generation moving to free. And so what we have is we have um, nuclear power, we have hydrogen power, we have a lot of different powers that are now starting to give us this concept and access to free energy. So magnetism is another one that we're starting to see being utilized to create sort of a Taurus momentum as well. So let's understand that as Jeremy Rifkin talks about, the three pillars of capitalism are imploding. And we can see that in front of us because of the drive for efficiency. But let's not forget that Spotify has made music almost free. YouTube has made entertainment almost free. Um, uh, Instagram has made the, the, the taking of amazing photos and sharing them almost free. Um, Uber and the likes are starting to make transportation free, generating power is moving to free, computing power is moving towards free. And here's the big one that I think that we really all need to be focusing in on is that services are moving to free, which means that all the things that accountants and lawyers and speakers and authors and experts and nutritionists and all these services are starting to move towards free as well. And so that's the first thing I want us just to understand that just the converging technologies by themselves, not even really focusing in on AI specifically, just converging technologies are creating free. Now, add to that a genius brain, a thousand times smarter than Einstein. My God, like what? Like you can't even conceptualize how this is going to be rolling out, except the fact that ubiquitous access to the zero marginal cost society equation is just around the corner. And that's just so obvious and glaringly obvious to me. So that's the first part of me setting that up. Any comments before I go into the second part? All good? Yeah, I think it's it's quite clear. And just so people understand as well, that when you say services are going to zero, it is because, not because I'm not going to charge for my service, it's because AI is going to do that service for next to nothing, right? That's That's kind of where you're going with that. Yeah, all right, cool. Yes, because the second point is going to touch on that right now is because there was an interview with Sam Altman where the lady asks Sam Altman, says, look, how are you going to generate money? Like, what's your business model? Because right now you have no business model and it seems like you're just doing this thing for free and you just got investors money. And he says, we've told our investors. You know, the honest answer is we have no idea. Um, we, we have never made any revenue. We have no current plans to make revenue. We have no idea how we may one day generate revenue. Um, we have made a soft promise to investors that once we've built this sort of generally intelligent system, um, basically we will ask it to figure out a way to generate an investment return for you. You can't get much smarter than Sam Altman at his age. I mean, he's shooting the lights out. No, he's brilliant. Everybody speaks yeah. to him. He's brilliant. And he doesn't. So let's not kid ourselves. That in our world, as whoever you are, whoever listening to this pod, Sam Altman is most probably more superior to us in the way he thinks in many ways. And what's so funny, my friend Sean McKenna said to me, he says, do you see his surname? Altman, alternative to man. And so he's Sam, alternative to man, creating AI, who still doesn't know the answers and is going to be asking AI. So that's the second point as I start setting up into the next two. Any other, next three. Uh, any other points? No, that's great. Okay, so Sam Altman himself doesn't know how to do this. Three, this is the six Ds. And this part of it is really just about how technological life cycles go. 
Now, what happens is every time a new technology arrives into a sector, the first thing that happens is obviously it becomes digitized. Remember, this is called the six Ds. So it becomes digitized. The minute it becomes digitized, it becomes dematerialized, meaning it becomes thin air. And in that process of it becoming thin air, it moves into a phase, and I think this is the most important T that we all need to be focusing in on, it moves into a phase called the deceptive phase. It's this deceptive phase that all of us sit on our laurels, relaxed thinking, eh, it's not coming now. It's only coming later. Oh, no, it's, it's not going to affect my sector. It's not going to, and we go through the same process of trying to bring some level of familiarity or comfort to ourselves, not realizing that once something becomes digitized, dematerialized, it moves into deceptive. Now, as it moves into that deceptive phase and then eventually starts to pop out on the other side, it totally democratizes, demonetizes, and disrupts that industry. The simplest and maybe the most boring example, but the simplest one that we can all get our heads around is 1976, Kodak discovers the digital camera. It's, it takes 22 seconds to take a photo. The digital camera weighs eight kilos. The board of Kodak laughs the engineer out the room and says, take that rubbish out of here. We're not going to be doing that. So what happened? The camera became digitized, then became dematerialized, then went into a deceptive phase. Then from 1976 to 1999, it was deceptive. What happened in the deceptive phase? Technology got smaller, cheaper, faster. All those things started happening in different labs around the world. In 1999, it pops out and it democratizes, demonetizes, and disrupts Kodak. Now, this is going to happen to every sector. It's happened with Spotify. And if you listen to any of the CEO interviews, um, whatever his name is, I can't remember now, the Swedish guy, he says, I was hated at the music disc like the director's tables. Like I was at EMI, I was at Sony Music. He says they hated me because all I was telling them is that the future requires a new different business model. And they were like, no, it doesn't. You remember they even tried to kill Napster and they went through that whole yeah. process. And so yeah. what they were suffering from the music industry was the deceptive phase. They hadn't even picked up on it. Now, I spoke last year in Lithuania with uh, the guy who invented Siri. Uh, interesting guy. And what, he, what his story was really interesting because he said when he started inventing Siri, the technology was not ready yet. They could extrapolate the existing technology over into the next few years and realize that it was a no-brainer that in the next few years, this technology would be available. That's why he had such an early lead. And you know, he sold a Siri equivalent to Samsung and to Apple. I mean, think about the, I don't even know why he's speaking. I think he must be bored because yeah. I don't think he's yeah. going to ever need to work uh, for the rest <laughs> of his life. So, so we understand that the six Ds is disrupt, dematerialize, de deceptive, democratize, demonetize, and disrupt. And so let's remember that just because it's not happening in your backyard or in your industry, let's not take our eye off the ball of the deceptive phase of how all technology integrates and weaves into our lives. That is point three. Any comments before I jump onto my last one? Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll add to this is when I think of people being in the deceptive phase, I think what happens is that you are in that deceptive phase because your outlook on the world is probably based on a very short time frame. So you are looking at what's happening in the world right now. You're looking at the tech that's available right now and you go, that won't affect me because I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a human, I have creative skill, whatever, whatever, whatever. You have your reasons. Um, by the way, uh, you know, that there's this writer's strike that we spoke about earlier. 
And um, the one thing that was quite funny that I saw was one guy, so a bit of context, the guys in Hollywood are striking because uh, they don't want AI to replace their jobs as writers. And the one guy held up a sign that says, AI doesn't have my childhood trauma. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> That's great, yep. That's so, so good. <laughs> that is so. He he shouldn't be fired. Yeah, he, he should, should be given a he raise. Shouldn't be fired. Actually, he's the only one. Yeah, yeah. So, that is, yeah. Um, so I think what we do is we look at a, a very short time frame, and of course, where it is now, like it, it probably won't replace you to the extent that you that people might say it will. But if you take a slightly longer time frame and you realize we are in version one right now, and five years down the line, at the rate this is progressing, it's going to look totally different then I think you stop lying to yourself, you stop deceiving yourself, and you start realizing, okay, I need to pay attention. So I just think there's a, if, you, if you're feeling like you're in that deceptive phase, maybe you need to take a, a broader look at the, like at the time horizon. Yeah, look, I think, you know, becoming masters of change, the first step of becoming masters of change is to get out of the deceptive phase. <laughs> that's, that's the beginning of it, right? Because yeah. when you realize you're in, there is a deceptive phase, you you realize that just because it's not happening right now, doesn't mean it's not going to happen in six months or a year. So what means you start to prepare for the uncertainty, you know? So that's, that's obviously the key here. Okay. And the last piece for me is about our reactions to technological advancement. And this is really available and happens to every single um, uh, sort of age group and every single layer of society. And, and, and this is how it goes, is that any technology that is around when we are born from zero to 15 is just normal and ordinary because it's just been there. So when I ask my audiences, does anybody think television is an advancement in technology? No. Do you think electricity is? No. Do you think the telephone is? No. These have all been around since we were born. So this just seems normal and we take it for granted. And so often people go, no, no, you know, I call it the Goldilocks effect. It means that anything before is just too old and everything ahead of us is just far too advanced. I want it just like it is right now. My porridge must be this exact temperature for the rest of eternity. Yeah. Like, get out of here. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, what must it just be to your comfort zone? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the other analogy I use is when you're driving on the highway and anybody driving slower than you is just a useless driver and anybody driving faster than you is a hazard to the roads. Who's driving the perfect speed? You are. <laughs> Only you, everybody else is just useless and terrible on the roads. I mean, that's a <laughs> ridiculous notion when you think about it. <laughs> then you get technology that is new, exciting, and revolutionary. And this happens usually between the ages of 15 and 35. And so when you are between the ages of 15 and 35, you're coming out of school, you're starting to think about a career ahead of you. So what are the latest technologies around us? And you think about my cousin's son, Zia, my, my cousin, I call him my cousin, but he's my cousin's son. He studied animation. He's got his master's in animation. And now AI is replacing animation, which is like a terrible thing. But all of animation is now being changed. But Animation was never available to me because it wasn't around between when I was 15 and 35, but it is available to him. And if you think about SEO and you think about social media, we've spoken about these things in other parts, is that these are the things that are currently new, exciting, and revolutionary. But here's the cracker. Here's the cracker. Anything invented after we're 35 years old is just against the natural order of things. And anytime we think about something that's out of our comfort zones, 
because because it's happened post 35 years old, we've already established our personality, the way we think and who we are. And it's very difficult for us to want to adopt anything new post that. So in closing, I want to just remind us that we have the zero marginal cost society that was brought about by or taught to us by Jeremy Rifkin, which means that everything that technology touches takes us down to almost zero. The second thing we must remember is that Sam Altman himself doesn't understand how to monetize ChatGPT. Remember that we have the deceptive phase that is one of the six Ds that was created by Peter Diamandis from Singularity University. So don't get caught up in it. And if you're over 35 years old, you have to work extra hard to engage with this information, to be able to unlearn old ways, to realize that this is the new shiny thing. And last pieces, I always tell my, my audiences, if your kid wants to be an influencer, learn with your kid how to be an influencer. Don't boo-boo it because the future requires that skill, not your skill of sitting in an office. That's all, folks. That's what we've got to talk about, technological weaving through our lives. Sure. No, that's great. And I think there's so much to, to take away from the pod. Um, definitely for me, you know, what I'm... I love learning together. So it's always great doing these these episodes. Like, you know, it's such a selfish thing in many ways because we sit here every week, we bring our, our, our thinking and our research and we get to learn from each other. Um, and we do. Yeah, I, I love the um, the idea around the 60s and the deceptive phase. And I see this playing out so well at the moment. And as always, you know, what we what we end up doing, hopefully, and what people take from from all the pods is that we give language to what we are observing. And when you give it language and you can categorize it, it becomes so much clearer to you. And then because it's so much clearer to you, you can actually do something about it. So thank you for that. That was brilliant. Um, everyone, we appreciate you spending time with us as always, whether you are listening to us uh, running outside or doing the dishes or trying to avoid work that you must be doing. Uh, we love spending time with you every single week. <laughs> We're watching you. We're watching you. Um, we we also love hearing from you. So Shelly is a great example today. Shelly, again, thanks for a very uh, mindful comment. And we would love to hear from you on any way that sort of works for you. So whether that is uh, leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify, commenting on YouTube, that's how Shelly got in touch with us, or even sending an email to training at theexpansive.com. Uh, we, we love hearing from the expansive community. And until next week, have an expansive time. See you then.